0: Acts chapter 1 verses 4 through 9. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. And they are not for you to know, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya and Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. Would you stand with me this morning one final time? Um, We continue in our series on the Holy Spirit. This is part two in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to fight the urge to review everything that I talked about last week and then just let you know, um, if you missed it, feel free, hop on YouTube, see part one. We are laying the theological framework last week and we continue this week and looking at this um, and we're going to continue with it today. Um, The text we just read is from the book of Acts and it is the promise of the Father being poured out on his disciples that he had promised that you would just wait on the Holy Spirit, that he would come and that he would empower you. And in the book of Acts, the rest of it, it walks us through the history of the church as it was growing and it was expanding and it was pushing back darkness. And can I tell you something? I want to be that kind of church. I want to be a church that as we step into all that God has for us and as we rely on the Holy Spirit to be moving in our lives, that God would just perform and do incredible things in our midst, in our city, in our county, in our lives, and in our homes. And so my prayer is that you would pray that along with me. Today we're going to continue in this and then if you notice we only sang two songs at the beginning and that was on purpose because we're going to close in a time of prayer and altar ministry at the end of the service today. We're we're just going to encourage anybody who would like to come forward for prayer or to be filled with the Holy Spirit that this would be an opportunity for that to happen. And we're just going to pray and ask God to move in our midst and to really empower us to be the witnesses that he's called us to be. And so Um, As you and I pray this morning, can I just encourage you, make this prayer that we're about to pray right before this sermon different than a normal Sunday. And by that I mean I want to encourage you this morning just to say, God, I want you to speak to me today. God, I want you to empower me today. God, I want to continue to be a strong, empowered witness for you. Would you join me in that? And would you really ask him and believe that he's a good father who can answer that prayer? So let's go to him. Father, we come before you. Lord, I pray that this would be a day unlike other days. That this would be a special day that, Lord, we would come to you with hearts burning saying, Lord, would you fill us? Would you empower us? Holy Spirit, would you move in this place in might and power? God, I'm asking that Lord, we would walk out of here as different people, Lord, people with eyes fresh and renewed to kingdom purposes, that we would never see another person from human eyes, but from the eyes, Lord, of you. God, would you strengthen us, we pray. In your name we pray. Amen. Today we do the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Next week we're going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit that's revealed Um especially in the book of 1 Corinthians, also in Romans, and even in 2 Peter. But what, And there will actually be a really nice handout next week as well that you'll be able to have that shows you all the different gifts that are kind of shown throughout Scripture and the verses that connects to them and where they're at. And so um, I'm excited for that message too because um, how many of you know that God gives each of us unique gifts? And how many know that's very vital and important? It's good that we have different gifts. If we all had the same one, that would be a problem. Because we need <laughs> we need to serve each other, um, but in regards to the baptism of the Holy Spirit and in regards to the gifts of the Spirit, there's two different camps that typically denominations land on, and it's either cessationist or continuationist. Okay, now. Um, cessationists would say that the the baptism of the Holy Spirit and also the gifts of the Spirit are not continuing. They were met for just a brief period of time, the time of the apostles, and they would say that it ended completely there and that once the scriptures were assembled into the Bible there was no use or need for them anymore, okay? And the cessationists, they would point specifically to one verse and one verse only from this, and it's from the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 8 through 10. If you know anything about the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul's writing to the Corinthian church, and this is a church that had a lot of hunger and desire for the spiritual gifts, but they had also abused them. And so he was writing a letter, and he's talking to them, and in chapters 12, 13, and 14, you see him talking about how the operating of the gifts should take place in the local church, like what we're in right now. So in chapter 12, we get to this, and it says, Prophecy and speaking in unlanguages languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Now, our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. Okay? So... Th- The cessationist camp, they would point to this verse, and what they would specifically say is that in verse 10, when the time of perfection comes, they would say that that is in reference to the assembling of the scriptures, that once the scriptures, or in their view, the perfectionists come, there'd be no longer any need for the gifts of the spirit or for spirit baptism as we basically know it today. Now, we would be absolutely in the continuationist camp. Okay. We would say that it is absolutely still vital, it is still needed, and it's a, it's a promise that is still available today. Now let me give you my response as to why that is what we stand for. Number one, that verse we just read, Paul doesn't stop there, does he? He continues that thought and he says that only three things are going to remain for other, faith, hope, and love. Now the reason I, I, I tell you that is because number one, he is not talking about Scripture in that verse. Actually, can we flip back to that previous slide? I want you to see this. He's not talking about Scripture. He's talking about heaven. There's going to be no need for the gifts of the Spirit. There's going to be need. no need for tongues in heaven. There's going to be need. no need for any of those things because the truth is, is we're going to be with God we're in perfection. We're, we're not going to need the gifts of prophecy when we're in heaven because, like, the per- time of perfection has truly come, but until that point, we need those things. We need to be built up. We need the church to still be standing strong and to be building up. It's a, when he's talking about a return to perfection. He's talking about whenever there is heaven and that the end of all things is coming. Secondly, I want you to think about according to Scripture, according to Scripture, what the purpose of the Spirit baptism was. Okay, Scripture reveals to us that the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, It's for personal edification, encouragement, and strengthening of the local church, but also so that we can receive power to be witnesses to the ends of the earth. Let me ask you a question. Have any of those three ceased? Do we still need to reach the ends of the earth? Yes. Do you still need to be edified and strengthened in your faith? Yes. Does the church still need to be built up and for us to love and forgive and show each other? Absolutely. So if all those three things are still desperately needed, then we absolutely still need the Spirit's work in our midst. Also, let's talk about this. How did the disciples view the end of spirit baptism? Read with me from Acts chapter 2, verses 37 through 39. It says, Peter's words pierced their heart. Now, this is the day of Pentecost. So the Spirit has been poured out. Peter stands up and he starts to give a message to the crowd that's assembled. At the end of the message, 3,000 people will be saved that day. And instantly we start to see the work of the Holy Spirit doing its job. The message of the church and the message of the gospel is going out. But notice what it says here. Peter's words pierced their hearts and they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promises to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. To your children and to their children and to all those who are far away who have been called by the Lord our God. A cessationist would often say that... Um, that the baptism of the Holy Spirit was really meant, it was just for the time of the apostles. But what we see is this, if you go and you read through the book of Acts, as the church expands, as Paul goes on his missionary journeys, everywhere they go, the baptism continues. Every place that they had to, it's not just the apostles who were baptized, it's not just those who were there that day, that the Spirit's work continues to go throughout that. I want you to see something else. The Apostle Paul, he even encouraged followers, Gentile followers, to pursue spiritual gifts. Read with me from 1 Corinthians chapter 14 1. He says, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Paul writes this and he, and he tells the Corinthian church, he says, Absolutely, you need to pursue love. You need to desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you would prophesy. And the reason he's saying this is because he goes, In your midst, you need to build each other up. Anybody ever else walked into church and been completely discouraged and broken down? And then suddenly someone's had a word for you. They've walked up and they've said the right thing at the right time, at the right place. And it's just like you felt like you could breathe again, right? That's the spirit at work in our midst doing what only he can do. And Paul's saying to them, you definitely need to pursue that, to build not just yourself up, but the church up. The baptism and the gifts were designed to expand but also to build the church. 1 Corinthians chapter 14:12, since you are zealous for the gifts of the spirits, seek those that bring edification to the church. Or Romans chapter 12, he says we're all members of one body, the body of Christ. We all don't have the same gifts, so use the gifts that were given to you. Let me ask you a question again. Does the church still need to expand? Does the church still need to be built up? Does the church still need to be strengthened? So we definitely still need these things. So now, if we're going to look at this, let's look now at the different denominational views of spirit baptism. There's typically three different ones. There's sacramental, regenerational, and Pentecostal. Okay? Sacramental, regenerational, and Pentecostal. Sacramental would be held by Orthodox Christians and specifically by Catholics, okay? So in this denominational background, what they would hold to is they would say the spirit baptism is absolutely still present, it is still available, but it takes place specifically through the sacraments, okay? So they would say things like at baptism or at the taking of Eucharist, that is where spirit baptism takes place and is poured out. Um, We would not hold to that couple reasons why. Number one, we don't believe in like sprinkling babies. If you notice, when we do our baptisms, we do immersion. We do it whenever a child's old enough to be able to make that decision for themselves. Because how many of you know that your faith does not save your child? Your child must make that decision for Jesus. It's not something that you can do. And so spirit baptism can't come upon someone who can't make that choice for themselves to say, God, I surrender myself to you. Okay. But that's where a uh, Orthodox Christian or a Catholic would hold to, that at the Eucharist or confirmation that baptism is the gateway into the life of the Spirit. The second one is regenerational. This is held by traditional Protestants and uh, many evangelicals. And what they would say is that spirit baptism happens at the point of salvation or regeneration, okay? Now, let me be careful. I want to explain something. Every single person, when they are saved... We all know they receive the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. The Holy Spirit comes into their life. We're going to talk about this in just a little bit. We're saying that spirit baptism is a secondary work, and we're going to see this in Scripture. We're going to see this completely pointed out, okay? But what they would say is that they would hold to the Scriptures that anytime someone is saved, that spirit baptism and the receiving of the Spirit are essentially one and the same, and they happen at that point of salvation, that at the moment of regeneration, the moment that the Holy Spirit works in your life and you turn to Christ, that that is spirit baptism that is being poured out. The Pentecostal view, which is held by Pentecostals, is that it takes place after salvation, but it can also be combined with salvation. How many of you know that many times there's people that at the moment of salvation, they're also baptized in the Holy Spirit, but it doesn't always happen that way, Okay. And that often the initial evidential experience is speaking in other tongues or in an unknown language what was found in Acts chapter 2. So let's look at this. The evidence of baptism in the Holy Spirit as being a secondary work. Why do we hold to that? It's not a regenerational view. Why do we hold to that spirit baptism is separate from salvation? Let me me point to a few verses. If If you're a note taker, write this down. In John chapter 20, we find these verses, chapter 20, verses 21 and 22. Mind you, this is before Jesus is left from the earth. He's talking to his disciples. And Jesus says, again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And then in verse 22, it says that Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So in John chapter 20, Jesus is physically in the midst with his disciples He's talking to them. He's sharing in time with them. He breathes on them and he says, Receive the Holy Spirit. Okay, but then we get to the book of Acts. He's still in their presence, he's still talking to them. And what does he say? We read it at the beginning He says, I have instructions for you. You're going to wait. I'm going to go into heaven. I'm going to be out of your midst. I'm going to be completely apart from you. Ten days later, on the day of Pentecost, 50 days from the moment of Passover, he said, you're going to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You're going to be endued with power, right? Well, they've already received the Holy Spirit. Jesus has breathed on them. This is what it says specifically in Scripture, but that there's a secondary work that is taking place on the day of Pentecost. Let me give you another example. Cornelius, found in Acts chapter 10. And this is what it says. It says, in Caesarea, there lived a Roman officer named Cornelius, who was a captain of the Italian regiment. Listen to what it says. He was a devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household, and he gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. Much time goes on later. In verse 45, it says, the Jewish believers who came with Peter It says, they were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also, for they heard them speaking in other tongues. Or how about this from uh, Corinth? If you have your Bible, you can turn to Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 7, and it says this. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers And he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed And no, they replied, we haven't even heard of that there's a Holy Spirit. He said, then what baptism did you experience? He asked, and they replied, the baptism of John. Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues, and they prophesied. There are about 12 men in all. So what we see from every single one of these is that there was a secondary experience beyond just salvation that took place for that believer who was hungering and desiring for more of God that the Spirit was poured out upon them with spirit baptism. See, this is the way I, 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 I've heard it, and I, and I love it. At salvation, we receive all of the Holy Spirit. But at spirit baptism, he receives all of us. Where our life is surrendered saying, God, I want to be completely emptied for all of you. Would you use me for your kingdom? Would you use me as a witness for you? I want you to think about this. The Holy Spirit started and empowered the ministry of Jesus. Think about that for a moment. At Jesus' baptism, this is what John declares. It says, and John bore witness this is John the Baptist, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him, being Jesus. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, it is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Jesus' baptism, the Holy Spirit descends like a dove. You've got the Father from heaven who makes a pronouncement over Jesus, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And what's the next thing that happens? He's driven into the wilderness, and then his ministry starts. Jesus' ministry was empowered by the Holy Spirit. So the question becomes, empowered for what purpose? I want you to think with me through Isaiah's prophecy of the Messiah. Read this with me from Isaiah chapter 61. And it says this, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. To grant to those who mourn in Zion to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they might be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. In the Gospels, Jesus, he opens up to this exact passage and he looks at everyone present and he goes, this is about me. That prophecy you just read, that's about me. But what's beautiful, yes, we know for a fact that the Spirit empowered Jesus' ministry. But do you realize that Jesus then sends his disciples out with that exact same power? Read with me. From Luke chapter 9, verse 1. Then he called his twelve disciples together, and he gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. Luke chapter 9, verse 2. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Luke chapter 9. So they departed, and they went through the towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. See, what I love from this is that the church is equipped and given the Holy Spirit to continue the work of Jesus. In fact, Jesus goes so far as to say, it's better off for you that I'm gone. Think about that for a moment. How hard that had to be as the disciples hearing that. You're in the presence of Jesus, and he goes, hey, it's better for you that I'm leaving. If I'm Peter, I'm like, no, it ain't. (laughs) You better stay here, bub. I've seen what you can do. I've watched you walk on water. I've watched you heal the sick. I've watched you look into a tomb and say, come forth, Lazarus. How could it be better? But the truth is it's better because it's with the Holy Spirit with us. The work of Jesus did not stop at his ascension. It continued on through the church, empowered by the Holy Spirit. See, the thing is this. Spirit baptism is a gift. Luke chapter 11, 9 through 13 says this. This is Jesus speaking. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. How many of you have heard that verse before? How many of you have ever heard that verse completely out of context? (laughs) Right? The prosperity gospel has tried to rob this verse of its context and then it's been like, you know, I don't have my Corvette yet. Keep on asking and I will receive. Nope. Let's keep reading. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open for you. For everyone who asks, what? They receive, okay? And everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Your fathers, if, you, if your children were to ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? I hope not. Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Jesus has got some interesting humor. I like this. Of course not. And he says, so if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Not a Corvette. He's saying, ask, seek, find, think with me. The baptism of the Holy Spirit was the promise of the Father. Jesus himself is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. In just a few weeks, it's going to be Christmas morning. How terrifying is that? Like, seriously, think about it. We're really not that far away. (laughs) Just a few weeks, it'll be Christmas morning. And as a good dad, I am so excited to see, like, that moment when my kid opens their very first gift. Right? They have no clue what's inside it. They rip open that paper they open it up they have no but there's an anticipation in inside the kids as they're like I have no idea what this is but there's an anticipation because they trust their mom and dad ever been given a gift by someone you don't trust i'm here to call you about your vehicle's extended warranty <laughs> right like, like you're like, it's not the same. There's not the anticipation, right? My children on Christmas morning. There's excitement, there's joy, and there's expectancy because they are about to receive a good gift from their parents. They trust in my love and my care. Jesus looks at his disciples and he goes, do you trust me? Because I'm about to give you the best gift that I can give you. If you know how to give good gifts, he says, how much more does your heavenly father? See, he provides us the gift of the Holy Spirit and specifically the baptism of the Holy Spirit to provide us with power. Listen to verse eight again. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my, what? Witnesses. Telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Listen to me very carefully. It is not power for you to become some better class of Christian. It's not. It's not like that if you receive the spirit baptism, suddenly, oh, look at me. (laughs) I've now entered into new levels, (laughs) right? No, it's not. It's not for others to look at you, for you to show off, or for others to be impressed. That was the issue with the Corinthian church. And Paul writes to them, and he's like, stop it. (laughs) It's not power for the sake of power. Think of Simon the sorcerer. He sees what the disciples are doing through the power of the Holy Spirit, and he's like, hey, can I buy that? And Peter's like, no. Not only that, but like, unless your heart changes, you're going to be cursed, dude. It's not to make yourself better so that others will think more highly of you, though the working of the Holy Spirit does change you from the inside out. It's not about pursuing some emotional experience or otherworldly spiritual encounter. This has been a problem with much of the charismatic church, where they've pursued the gifts of the Spirit for the wrong reasons. They've pursued an experience over the person of the Holy Spirit. It's not to elevate yourself. Listen to me. It's power for a purpose to bring your life and mine into God's plan to rescue and redeem the world to himself. He says, you will be my witnesses. Witnesses. You are Christ's ambassador, Jesus says. You make a plea on behalf of God that the world would be reconciled to him. We have the message and the ministry of Jesus, and it can only be accomplished. Listen to me. It can only be accomplished through the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you know this, but whenever you witness to people, you need the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. He can give you insight into things you don't even know about in that moment, and he can empower you to have just the right words to say. There is power in our inner being to change. That's what the Holy Spirit gives us. But can I tell you something? Even that is not its primary purpose. The primary purpose is to be his witnesses. Does he change us from the inside out? Absolutely. Are we edified? Absolutely. Does he strengthen the body of Christ? Absolutely. But... The beauty of the Holy Spirit poured out is it empowers us to be witnesses. We need to think about this with me. Whenever power is needed, it always reveals necessity, doesn't it? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Power in your life and in your walk with Jesus. Romans chapter 8 says this, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our what? Weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father, who knows all hearts, knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. The Spirit in us groans and struggles to see our lives be transformed into the image of Jesus. Can I tell you something? I've been asked many times, Pastor, why should I pursue even like the gift of speaking in tongues? Let me give you one reason why. Ever been in a moment where you've needed to pray for something and you've had no words? Ever been there? I'll never forget for me, um, one of those moments was um, my brother and I, we have a great relationship. We don't like call each other a ton. When we see each other, we hang out. We have a blast. But I remember when I was living in Ohio, um, I received a call from our brother. It was... Um, his wife was pregnant with their firstborn. So this is many, many, many years. How old's Jack? 14. So this was at least 14 years ago. And he calls me up and I can instantly, you know how when you hear someone's voice, you know something's up. And he calls me and he goes, Josh, I need you to pray. And he said, um, Lindsay's bleeding. And we're not sure she's going to be able to carry the baby. Can I tell you something? In that moment, you've got no words. Of course I said absolutely, but I remember I instantly got right down on my knees next to the couch, and I start crying out to God, and I'm praying, and I'm like, God, help. God, and in that moment, I mean, there's no words to express what's happening at the heart level. And can I can tell you that the beauty of that gift of speaking in tongues is in that moment, the Spirit just speaks right through you. And God hears every word. He hears the groanings, the inner workings of your heart. He knows what's going on. And there's an edification that comes in. It's almost like a relief valve, right? Like, I don't even know how to describe it. Like, in that moment, it was just like <gasps> taking a big gulp of air, like, okay, I know that God hears me, even whenever I don't even know the words to say. And there's power that can come from that. And that's what it's talking about even in this moment. When, when, whenever it's talk, when Paul's talking to the Roman church, he's saying, listen to me. The Holy Spirit helps you in your weakness. You don't even know what to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays through you in words that can't be expressed. We need those moments. So power in our walk in life with God. Secondly, power to encounter the presence of God. Ephesians chapter 2. Together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. We need his presence in our life. We need to know that he's power to be witnesses. Acts chapter 2, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on me, you'll be my witnesses. Acts 4.31, and when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. We need that. Here's another true story I'll never forget. Um, We were in a service, and um, it was time around the altar, and I was praying and um, I felt like the Holy Spirit just led me, I, I want you to pray over people. And so uh, I had teenagers kind of coming up, and we had about three new teenagers that were there. I had never met them. I had no clue who they were. They were in the back. And God was just leading me, like, you need to pray over them if they come up. And I have some things I want to say over their life, which is very freaky right? <laughs> and so they, they, out of nowhere, they actually come up to the front, which I was shocked about. And so uh, the, these two girls, they come up to the front and they come up to pray. And I just told them, I said, listen, I said, I would like to pray over you. And I feel like God has given me a word for you. I said, now this could be me because I, I don't want to just throw the word, like say, hey, this is God emphatically, right? I, I want to test that bit and make sure that it aligns with what is happening in their life and what God is doing. And I said, but I feel like he's led me to say something to you. So if it's from him, please, Accept it. So I just started speaking to them what I felt like God had laid on my heart. The one girl goes and she sits next to her friend and she sits down and she's got tears coming down her face and she leans to her friend and she goes, that was the scariest, freakiest thing that's ever happened to me in the world. She goes, he prayed over me the exact thing I just was praying over the last 30 minutes. I had never met her. See, the truth is, is that we need those, we need the power of the Holy Spirit to empower us for things we can't even do, to be witnesses for him, power for the right words. The Apostle Peter and Paul and all throughout the New Testament, it says they were full of the Holy Spirit, and then they preach. It says, then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders, are we being questioned today because we've, been, we've done a good thing for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? In that moment, they were filled with the Spirit to have just the right words at just the right time. So as we bring this to a close, the question is this. How was the baptism received? I want us to think through this. Number one, it was received in obedience. Acts chapter one, verse four, it says this. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. Can I tell you something? Those who decided to leave Those who decided not to obey didn't receive. It was a promise that came through obedience. Obedience to what God was doing. Obedience to what God was saying. Obedience to his commands, to his will. Obedience. Secondly, it was received in patient surrender, not in selfish demanding. I want to read to you from Acts chapter 8, and it says this. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given when the apostles laid their hands on people, he offered them money to buy this power. Not a wise move. (laughs) He says, let me have this power too. You see, he wanted to use it and buy it. He explains so that I can lay my hands on people, and they will receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter replied, may your money be destroyed with you for thinking that God's gift can be bought. You can have no part in this, for your heart is not right with God. See, he wasn't surrendered. Repent of your wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive your evil thoughts. For I can see that you're full of bitter jealousy and held captive by sin. Pray to the Lord for me, Simon explained. These terrible things you've said won't happen to me. It happens in patient surrender, not in selfish demanding. Do you remember what Jesus said? Ask, seek, knock. Other versions say it this way, keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. I don't know if maybe today will be the day for you. I remember the first time I prayed for it and I did not receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But it was a start of a journey where I pursued and said, God, I want all that you have for me. God, would you fill me? God, would you, and he's got his really good reasons why. Can I tell you something? The first time I asked, if you'd have given me, it would not have been good for Josh Johnson. So in obedience, in patient surrender, not selfish, demanding. Third, when it comes from a desire to use the gifts that he gives, not selfishly, but selflessly to serve the church. I don't know what some of the gifts that God has given you are, but can I tell you something that he has given them to you and he's designed them specifically to be used for his kingdom. We're going to talk about this next week. There's things that God has birthed inside every person in this church and he has uniquely brought all of us together here to love each other, to serve each other, to care for each other, and to make an impact right where we're at through the power of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you don't even know the gifts he's given you. Can I tell you something? Start pursuing. Some of them have been there since the day that you were born. Others can be ignited in just a moment. But can I tell you something? The baptism will never, ever be poured out on a heart that is looking to use it selfishly. Ever. It will only ever come on the heart that is surrendered saying, God, you can have all of me. Would you use me for your kingdom? In prayer. Patient prayer, not hyped up spirituality. The Spirit did not come because of the fervor of the disciples, hyped up spirituality, or in some formulaic, conjured prayer. Can I tell you something? God doesn't work that way, does He? Come on. He's not some God that's moved by an incantation or a formula, <laughs> He's not. The Spirit came because God had promised it to his disciples. Thank God it comes that reason. Because you know what? The disciples didn't deserve it. Not even 40 days ago, they fled and abandoned him. Peter completely denied him. And Peter becomes the one who preaches on the day. Listen to me. You know what the beauty of that means? It's not based on your past. I don't know about you, but that makes me go, whoo! <laughs> right? It's not based on your past track record. It's based on who he is and that the promise is for you and for those who are far off. The Spirit came because they were surrendered, they were willing and saying, God, use me. It's not something, nor is it ever, something that's conjured. It's not formulaic, it's not an incantation, it's not a methodology, it's a gift simply to be received. It's received by spiritual desire and humble dependence. A desire to be empowered and filled and a desire to be used for a purpose. Let me give you one more final reason how it's received. With a heart to see the whole world reached for Jesus. Pastor, what's going to happen if I receive the spirit of baptism? Can I tell you something? What better happen is you better have a heart for lost people. And you'll be my witnesses, you'll receive power. And you will be my witnesses. Here's what I'm praying for. I'm praying for moments when you're just at the pump, pumping gas, and someone pulls next to you and the Holy Spirit just whispers, hey, I want you to talk to them. Your best friend gives you a call and suddenly you can hear something behind their voice that you know that there's something going on. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit goes, ask to pray for. You're at a family gathering and that person that you've been praying for years suddenly starts to open up and the Holy Spirit goes, step in and take this moment. It's not going to always happen in some like book of Acts miraculous way. Can I tell you something? That's, That's the beauty of the Holy Spirit. How many of you know that? Your spiritual journey? There was lots of moments with lots of people at lots of key times talking to you, building the gap, leading you to where you ended up becoming. Sometimes it's planting seeds, sometimes it's watering it, and sometimes it's harvesting it. (laughs) But all three are works of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes God's going to have you witness to someone who's going to spit in your face and not even like a word you're going to say. But guess what? That was the seed that's planted that later when it's harvested, they're going to look back and be like, man, he or she was faithful even when I was a jerk to them. And that was the Holy Spirit. We need his power We need his filling. We need his strength. We need that. I need that. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to bring the lights down low, and we're just going to open up the altars. Okay? The band's got two songs. They're going to sing. The first is Holy Spirit, and the second is Great Are You, Lord. And we're going to worship. And if you're here today and you're saying, you know what, Pastor Josh, I would... I want to pursue this. I want to pursue and say, God, I want all that you have for me. I want to be surrendered. God, I want to to be filled fully by you so that my life can be used for you. We're going to ask and invite you just to come up, and I want to personally pray with you. No one's going to push you. Nothing weird's going to happen. Nothing at all like that. This is the moment you singing praises to Jesus, you praying and just saying, God, I want all that you have in store for me. We're going to pursue the Holy Spirit. We're going to pursue his heart. We're going to welcome him. We're going to invite him and say, God, we want you to come and use us. God, we want you to come and fill us. God, we want you to, to pour out from us. And I want to encourage you today, maybe someone comes up here and you just feel led by the Holy Spirit saying, hey, I want you to come up there and pray for them. Just come up behind them. Just gently put your hands on their back. Don't do not do like, no one likes whenever you come up behind them and you do like the heavy hand and suddenly they feel like they're about to, <laughs> right? So just come up just do a gentle touch and pray like, you know right? But we're going to pray and ask God just to do a work in our midst. Maybe you've been filled before and you're like, you know, I I, I just want all that God's got for me today. Can I plead with you? Don't miss this moment. We're going to spend some time just in the presence of Jesus and asking and inviting him. But here's what I am going to ask. If today you want to be prayed for specifically to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, would you in just a moment come up Get close to the steps up here. That's going to alert me to know that you want me to pray for you. If you don't want me to pray for you, and that's fine, feel free to still come up. You can sit on the chairs, or if you kneel, I won't pray for you. But if you come up and you're standing, that's going to alert your pastor, I want to be prayed for, okay? And we're going to spend some time today seeking his presence because we're going to be like Moses. God, if your presence doesn't go with me, there is no point in happening. There's no point in moving. And we're going to ask, God, will you fill us today? Some of you, I'm praying that God's going to do that. He's going to fill you today. Then One of the greatest signs that's going to be that you might be speaking in other tongues and out of nowhere. Now, can I tell you something? God's not going to ever force anything upon you. The spirit of prophets is subject to the prophet. It's something that you're going to have to step out in faith for. But we're going to ask and pray. So with no further ado, would you everyone just in their room stand? We're going to, all of us are going to be worshiping. If you have to leave, that's totally fine. But we're going to spend some time in his presence. So this is what I'm asking you to do. Everyone, just, if you would stand, just close your eyes and pray with me. Father, we come before you. Lord, we want all that you have in store for us, Jesus. Jesus, you are the baptizer and the Holy Spirit. We know that you are good. And Lord, we are hungry for more of you today. And so as we sing today, God, we invite your presence, Holy Spirit. We invite you to come to fill us, to move. We worship you because you are God. We give you praise, we give you honor.